listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. And today we will be diving into the results from yesterday's elections. We have a packed show. We'll be breaking down the key races and results. We're also keeping our eye on a potential speech from President Joe Biden. So we will carry that speech if it happens during our show. But let's just get right to it. We'll be talking later on in the show with Times-Picayune New Orleans advocates Ben Myers, who's been covering the city charter amendment proposal. And we'll also speak with investigative reporter Sam Carlin, who also reports for the advocate Times-Picayune about the public service commission elections and surprising results there. But we're going to start off today's show looking at the overall picture from Louisiana with veteran political journalist and broadcaster Jim Inkster from Talk Louisiana. Jim, first of all, thank you so much for being here today. It's great to be with you, Patrick. Um, Jim, no big surprises from the congressional races last night, but just, you know, if you want to go through what you think some of the, the key takeaways are. Louisiana generally reelects members of Congress, uh, but did so last night resoundingly with each member of the delegation in the House receiving over 60 percent of the votes including Clay Higgins, who was thought by some to be vulnerable, and he ended up getting 64% of the vote and actually went up in Lake Charles uh, from his percentage of recent elections, despite being criticized for not getting relief for that city after two major hurricanes. Uh, In Louisiana, Patrick, as we know, uh, members of Congress often are groomed to be governor, and it's it's an ideal situation because the governor's election is in an off year, so they don't have to give up their congressional seats. So I would imagine at least one member of our congressional delegation, whether it's one of our senators, and of course John Kennedy also won resoundingly last night, one of them will join uh, Jeff Landry and perhaps Billy Nungesser and John Schroeder and a few others in a governor's election that is now just 48 weeks away. So we should have uh, a fast and furious uh, ride to the finish line, and, and it will start pretty soon, because in Louisiana, we generally, we, we, we like to see our candidates, and we'll see what happens. And, and Jim, why don't we go there and talk about the, the governor's race? I mean, it feels like even before the, the midterm elections that folks were already positioning themselves in terms of who was going to run, who was trying to get support. And obviously, you've, you've mentioned uh, some of the folks who have announced or are thinking of announcing with, of course, Attorney General Jeff Landry um, being one of them. Give us just an overall the rundown of, of where you think things are right now in, in the governor's race next year, especially as many folks start turning their attention there. Landry is in. I don't think there's any turning back from him, and he has, uh, for what it matters, he has the Republican Party endorsement is uh, to go with it. But uh, Billy Nungesser, he gives every indication that he is in, the lieutenant governor, the treasurer, John Schroeder also. And then we're likely to see a Democrat or two. Uh, the most recent uh, prospect is the Transportation Secretary, Sean Wilson. Uh, I know in Baton Rouge, the district attorney, Hiller Moore, has some people courting him to run for governor. So uh, the Democratic vote is not enough to win many elections in Louisiana, but it is enough to perhaps make a runoff. 
And it is enough that if a prominent Democrat doesn't run, that uh, the Democratic vote could determine which Republican wins. And I, I do think that one member of our congressional delegation, at least one, will run. I don't think it's going to be Bill Cassidy, the senator who many thought would pull the trigger. John Kennedy would be a formidable candidate. He has a lot of money he didn't spend on his Senate race that he could transfer to this race. But he'll be 72 years old next year, and, and I think maybe he feels the dance has passed him by. He wanted to be governor, but right now, as we know, he's one of the best-known U.S. senators on the planet. So that leaves uh, members of the Congressional House delegation, which means Garrett Graves, I think, would be a prospect for running. And uh, I wouldn't rule out Clay Higgins running. Mm. After all, he uh, is a character, and in Louisiana, despite the fact that Higgins has got his share of controversy, we tend to reward characters who are on our ballots. It, it, at this point, does it feel like Landry is is the front runner in a sense of just the, the attention and just these preliminary endorsements? Right now he is. But things change. As we know, in 2015, David Vitter was the front runner, and he ended up losing by 12 points to John Bell Edwards. And we've seen this before. Uh, we've had candidates in the past who were thought to be on their way to winning. Buddy Romer, after he lost in 91, was the front runner in 95, and then he ended up finishing fourth behind Mike Foster, Cleo Fields, and Mary Landrew. So. A lot will happen in 48 weeks, and, and Landry right now is the front runner, but he might be vulnerable in a race against a fellow Republican because he is viewed, for better or worse, he's viewed as an extremely conservative candidate, and I think most voters who are left of center would prefer somebody who was more, at least he gave the impression of being more moderate, and that would mean somebody like Nungesser or Graves, uh, would probably be an extremely difficult challenger if they were in a runoff with Jeff Landry. Mm. And again, you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. We're speaking with uh, broadcaster Jim Inkster of Talk Louisiana. Um, Jim, uh, you mentioned uh, Kennedy's uh, re-election, how much money he raised, uh, the ease in which he was uh, re-elected. Any surprises when you look at how uh, his opponents, Gary Chambers or, or Luke Mixon, fared or, or, or didn't fare in, in last night's election? They didn't do well. Uh, there is no doubt that it's hard for them to frame this as a victory. Now, in Gary Chambers' case, he has a movement which goes beyond this election. And Chambers did do well in New Orleans. He, he won Orleans Parish and beat Kennedy there by more than two to one. And that's one of the astonishing things is that Kennedy received well over 800,000 votes, and he only received 16% of the votes in Orleans. But six years ago, he got about the same percentage when he won the first time, and he received just over 500,000 votes. So it was at least more people voted. But Luke Mixon and Gary Chambers didn't have anywhere close to the war chest that John yes. Kennedy had. And, and he was an incumbent in a red state. Uh, he, he at one time was a liberal Democrat himself, but somewhere along the way, John Kennedy had an epiphany, and it's working well for him because he's now won two, two terms in the U.S. Senate with more than 60 percent of the votes. And he has some options. He can run for governor. He can be a kingmaker. 
or he could even run for president of the United States. We have elected a Senator John Kennedy once before. And, and Jim, a lot, most of the attention nationally was focused outside Louisiana. I mean, uh, race is still uh, to, to be uh, decided there. But what, what was your overall impression looking at um, the, the national uh, races last night and, and control of the Senate and House? Patrick, uh, I know you followed this, too, and through the years, the party that doesn't have the White House generally does really well in midterm elections, and the Republicans will likely regain control of the House, although instead of having 240 seats, which many predicted, they'll have more like 220 or 219, which is a, a victory of sorts for the Democratic Party, and in the Senate, Democrats may actually retain control. It, it quite possibly will come down to another runoff in Georgia between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. But the fact that Democrats are in place to retain control of the Senate is extremely noteworthy. Mm. And it means uh, they, they did better than anticipated. I think most people felt like Fetterman was in real trouble in Pennsylvania and he pulled it out. And by virtue of that, it means Republicans have to gain a seat somewhere else to stay even. And when it's even, it's 50-50, and Kamala Harris, uh, she cast the deciding vote. But the best prospect for Republicans appears to be right now in Nevada. Adam Laxalt is uh, challenging an incumbent. He is a graduate of Tulane University, 44 years old. And if he wins, then it comes down to Warnock and Walker. And uh, I, I wish I owned a radio or television station <laughs> in Georgia, because can you imagine the attention that race will receive? That will be a lot of a lot of ads and a lot of attention, a lot of stories. Um, Jim Inkster, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thank you so much uh, for joining Louisiana Considered. You can listen to Talk Louisiana weekday mornings from 9 to 10 on WRKF. You can, of course, stream the show, download it as a podcast, go to WRKF.org. Um, Jim Inkster, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Pat. It's a pleasure to work with you. Thank you. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO. NWRKF. And this is Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. In an election that had experts worried about vigilante poll monitors and the potential for danger for election workers, voting on Election Day seems to have gone off without any major incidents. Earlier this morning on NPR's Morning Edition, reporter Miles Parks spoke with Steve Inskeep about the issue. Now, this election turned a lot of focus on the process of voting itself, and NPR's Miles Parks covers voting. He's in our studios. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Steve. Um, in a way, this is reassuring. There were so many fears of voter intimidation and threats, and I'm not saying there was nothing across the country, but by and large, it seems Americans just went out and voted like they always do. I know. When Election Day is boring, it is really good news, <laughs> yeah. right? And I do feel like, I mean, there were I, I want to be clear, a number of kind of isolated um, small issues all over the country, which sure. is normal anytime you're transacting, you know, millions and millions of pieces of paper, right? Yeah. The most high profile instance was in Maricopa County, Arizona, where a number of ballot tabulators malfunctioned due to a printer error. It was fixed after a couple hours, but we saw members on the far right really immediately start pushing that this was some evidence of some fraud conspiracy, including the Republican um, governor candidate, Carrie Lake. Well, let's listen. Two minutes into voting, we had people being told, well, you're going to have to put your little ballot over here into another box. Guys, 
The fake media back there tried to tell us we were wrong for asking questions about our elections. Um, we will just note that there seems to have been nothing there, just as Donald Trump lost the election in 2020, which I believe is something that she's rejected. Yeah. And, you know, we should say also that election experts were expecting this. They basically said we're going to see probably a number of mis isolated mistakes in this election. And we're also going to see a number of actors probably jump on those mistakes to try to say they're evidence of some conspiracy. They're not. You know, this is everything kind of going as planned. Um, there is another factor here, though, and that is the matter of people who say the election system is corrupt. People who reject what dozens of judges and thousands of election officials from both parties affirmed in the 2020 election, who rejected Donald Trump's defeat in 2020. And many of them were running for office yesterday. What, what do you learn from those races? They are. These are Secretary of State races. I've been monitoring them all over the country. We're still waiting on the three swing states, which are kind of the key states we've been watching. Nevada, Michigan, and Arizona, where Democrats are running against fairly extreme Republican candidates who all say they think the 2020 election was stolen. And importantly, because of that, they want to restrict access to things like early voting, mail ballots. Um, so we're still waiting on results in those races. We have seen a number of election-denying candidates win, though, in some more Republican strongholds, places like Indiana, Wyoming, Alabama. And election officials are really, really worried about that trend because you look ahead to the 2024 election and you've got potentially people kind of uh, pushing different narratives about the security of the election. We didn't see that in 2020. Election officials generally were on the same page about the security of that, that election. It could be really messy for voters to try to figure out what's going on. Although I will take note, Alabama, Wyoming, Indiana, at this point in history, none of them is exactly a swing state that would be expected to be close, although who knows in 2020? Absolutely. But you can imagine what would happen if voting officials in those states were saying things about the election systems potentially in other states. It could just muddy the waters, which is what, you know, election officials are really worried about. When you talk overall with election officials, how do they feel the system is held up here in 2020? I think they feel very, very um, confident and excited, honestly, about the fact that they were able to put this election forward in the way they did, considering they've seen a historic amount of threats and pressure this election cycle. Miles, thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNL and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. We're breaking down uh, last night's election results. Today, uh, we just heard from Jim Inkster of Talk Louisiana, and now we're going to turn our attention to a key election last night in Louisiana, or actually I should say it was a pair of key elections uh, involving the Public Service Commission, and we're also going to look at a contest with major implications in New Orleans, and that was the City Charter Amendment. Uh, joining us on Louisiana Considered, we have two stellar reporters, Sam Carlin and Ben Myers of the Times-Picayune and The Advocate. Uh, welcome, Sam. And Ben to Louisiana considered. Hey, thanks. Uh, Sam, let's let's start with you. Uh, the Public Service Commission makes huge decisions in the everyday lives of of citizens here in Louisiana. I think your reporting leading up to this election really did a good job of sort of explaining, you know, how much power um, and and how important uh, the uh, this commission is and the folks that are elected. I mean, and for most people, just beginning with you know how much we pay for electricity. Um, so, so Sam, if you can, can you just lay out uh, uh, the race for us? Uh, there obviously was incumbent Lambert Boissier. There were challengers. Just set the set the stage for us for for the the public service commission race uh, in New Orleans. Yeah. And the PSC races are often kind of the most important thing on the ballot that people don't know about. And, um, and as you mentioned, they make huge decisions about how much we pay for electricity, how we 
dealing with decarbonization, preparing the grid for hurricanes, which are becoming more frequent. Um, so we had two commissioners. It's a five-member body. Two of them were up for re-election, Lambert Bossier, who, who, whose district spans kind of a similar line to Troy Carter's congressional district, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. And then we had Mike Francis, a Republican in southwest Louisiana. Uh, Francis won easily. He didn't really have a serious opposition. But Lambert Bossier had um, <clears throat> drawn some pretty serious opposition from climate activists and progressive groups who um, kind of thought that the PSC was asleep at the wheel, not holding energy accountable enough, wasn't moving quickly enough on things like hardening the grid and transitioning to solar and wind power and getting away from natural gas. <clears throat> and as you know, natural gas prices have made ele electricity bills uh, just sky high recently, which is, um, you know, it's kind of an analogous uh, dynamic to inflation in, in the midterms nationally. It's like this external factor that is kind of riling up voters. Um, so what happened was Bossier got pushed to a runoff, which was a really shocking uh, outcome because Bossier had so much more money than his, any of his challengers. Um, what he did have against him was a super PAC aligned uh, with the Environmental Defense Fund that came in and spent huge money, about half a million dollars in this race. Uh, which for a PSC race is is a ton. And so Lambert had to really unload his uh, war chest and keep up, and he still couldn't crack 50 in any of the parishes. Um, so so a relatively weak showing from Bossier all across the district. Um, but, but I think it's shocking, mostly because his opponents had very few resources to uh, promote themselves. Devontae Lewis, a young 30-year-old progressive activist here in uh, Baton Rouge, was able to squeak into the runoff by 18% of the vote. And, and I imagine now that it goes to the runoff, there will be a lot more attention on this race. And, and that, you know, in addition to drawing outside resources, at least is I think a lot of the public attention will be focused on this now. Yeah. And I think the, you know, Lewis and the other organizations that want to see Lambert unseated are really hoping that, you know, there's only so many things on that December 10th ballot. And this may be the most high profile one. And historically, you know, these things don't even go to a runoff because voters don't really pay attention and they reelect the incumbent. Um, so I think what, what the challenges are hoping is, is people, donors open up their pocketbooks in the same way they opened them up for, you know, maybe Gary Chambers or Luke Mixon in the Senate race. Now that that's concluded, um, and maybe some more attention and resources could come in and really, uh, uh, you know, give Lambert a run for his money in that reelection bid. And, and speaking of, of, of major races or, or major elections, we're going to uh, bring in uh, Ben Myers, City Hall reporter for the Times-Picayune and The Advocate. And uh, Ben has been covering uh, the, the city charter amendment uh, that was on the ballot last night. And uh, New Orleans voters approved a significant change to how city hall officials are appointed sets up a new system and empowers the city council to confirm or deny the mayor's picks to run key departments. I'm actually reading from Ben's story this morning. But Ben, uh, break down, give us the context for for not only what this uh, amendment will do now that it was passed by voters, but sort of the overall context between the council and the mayor. Well, I guess we could start with the um, the new council that came in. Five of the seven members um, are new and started this year and um, almost instantaneously began challenging the mayor um, on various initiatives and um, uh, engaging in some pretty pitched arguments uh, with her. Um, and amid all of that um, came a proposal to change the charter um, to give the council um, confirmation power over the mayor's appointments to key departments. And it's hard to understate just how consequential and significant that is uh, given this, 
city's long history <laughs> of doing things a certain way, which in which the mayor has uh, um, unilateral control over the plans. Um, the proponents, and that would be chiefly um, at-large council member J.P. Morrell, um, took pains to say that this was not intended to target the mayor personally or herself. Um, however, um, they, they do point to a couple of uh, appointments from her administration um, to illustrate the need for it. They'll also point to appointments from previous administrations, um, going to the overall purpose of increasing transparency, uh, public vetting of appointments, ensuring there's no conflicts of interest, um, and, uh, uh, and things of that nature. And, and Ben, I imagine we've seen this sort of tension and conflict uh, between the council and, and the mayor this, this past year. And with the approval of, of this amendment, I imagine that that is just going to perhaps add a little bit more tension as, as key appointments have to now go before the council. Well, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's actually kind of an open question as to what's going to happen now. Um, one thing that uh, the Bureau of Governmental Research noted in its endorsement of this measure, they found that it, it overall uh, will probably be a good thing. Um, but they noted that uh, there is a lack of uh, rules and criteria um, at this moment. Um, so it's kind of hard to say how it's all going to play out. We don't know if they're going to be, we don't, there's no guarantee there's even going to be hearings for future um, I think it's important to note this this takes effect uh, on January 1st, so it doesn't affect anybody currently serving in the Cantrell administration, but there are a couple of uh, um, directors right now that are on an acting basis. So um, whether or not they are going to be put forth as full-time candidates or will be others, um, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. We're speaking with reporters Ben Myers and Sam Carlin of the Times-Picayune, The Advocate. Um, ben, uh, the the recall effort for uh, Mayor Cantrell was not on the ballot, but it's obviously something that, that will get more attention uh, now that we're through the midterm elections. Um, it, it, has there been a, any uh, updates in, in that so far? So um, they came out with kind of a splash um, and uh, announced early on, this started in uh, late spring, early summer, uh, that they had gotten 10,000 of the 53 or so thousand signatures that they needed. Uh, we haven't really heard much um, in the way of concrete progress since then. They've had a couple of briefings, but it's never it really given us any um, firm idea of how many signatures they've gathered. Um, I did note uh, last night, um, one of the organizers, Eileen Carter, um, said that they have a big kind of announcement coming soon um, within the next, I guess, week or two. So I guess we'll have to wait and see um, what what that's going to amount to. And, and, and back to you, uh, Sam Carlin. Uh, obviously, I, you know, as we mentioned before, that this PSC race will probably start getting a lot more oxygen now that all these races have, have cleared. So it, it, is there a sense that that any um, officials, uh, city hall officials or otherwise, will now are, are more folks going to come in and, and weigh in on this, do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the challengers are hoping that uh, there are some high profile officials who may be willing to come in and endorse the challenger uh, now that it is a runoff because, you know, as an official, you don't want to um, get in a race if it's if you think the incumbent's going to win easily and needlessly uh, anger them. You know, Lambert's got a lot of uh, high profile officials in his corner to begin with. The governor's endorsed him. Troy Carter's endorsed him. He's got a lot of money. But, uh, you know, the super PAC is going to play a big role. And I think it's uh, the biggest question is whether Devontae Lewis can uh, raise some money and really compete and get his name out there.
Great. Well, we'll obviously uh, we'll come back to both of you as we follow these uh, stories. But uh, Sam Carlin and, and Ben Myers, thank you guys so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. And this has been Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. You can go to our websites, WWNO.org, WRKF.org. We'll have election results from Louisiana and around the country. So stay with us on WWNO and WRKF. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at Rouse's.com with additional support from the